And ultimately, every story is carried by the birds. Ultimately, the Roman Empire hears about it. Amru they declare, Yehuda she'ilo yisala. Yehuda who praised Rome shall be elevated. Yoisi she'shasak, yigolo l'tzipoiri. Yoisi was silent, he goes into exile. Shimon she'gida yeharik. Reb Shimon by Yechai, who embarrassed, who denigrated Rome, he should be killed and executed. And of course, the continuation of the story in Gemara Shabbos Lamed Gimel is he escapes with his son, and ultimately they will end up in a cave for 13 years in order to escape the wrath and the death sentence by Rome. I want to ask you today, if I could, even though it's a story, what was the Svara Samachlaikas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon? Yehuda wasn't naive. Rabbi Yehuda knew Rome very well. They were all living in the century right after the Churban. They saw how many Jews were murdered by Rome. They saw what Rome did to Judea, what Rome did to Eretz Yisrael, what Rome did to Yerushalayim, to the Beis HaMikdush. Rabbi Yehuda praises Rome. Rabbi Shimon denigrates Rome. And even though this is a story in the field of Agadah, but today we will see how this argument between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon is reflected in many other instances which at first glance seem completely disconnected, but upon a deeper reflection when we can get to the core of their underlying thought processes, we will be able to see what the nature of their argument perhaps was. Let's begin, let's continue now exhibit number two with a medrash, a Torah's koyanim on the beginning of Parshish B'chukhoisai this week. In the beginning of B'chukhoisai, Rebbeinu Shalolam promises the Jewish people in B'chukhoisai, Teleichu Esmitzvaisai, Tishmairu, you will be showered with blessings. And the great blessing is, when Asati Shalom Baaretz, I'll create peace in the land, Oshchaft and Bein Machrit, you will lay without fear, V'yishbati Chayiram in Aaretz. I'm going to terminate wild beasts from the land, says the Sifra, the Torah's Koyenim, and this Fosik. V'hishbati chayiram in Aretz. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Ma'aviram in Ha'olam. Hashem says, I will remove them from the world. These wild, undomesticated beasts, and you have to remember that in ancient times, these beasts often lived right in close proximity to people, with tremendous agony and suffering as a result. I will remove them from the world. Vishbati. Vishbati, they will be terminated, they'll be gone. Reb Shimon Reb Shimon says, no, Mashbison Shaloyaziku. What does it mean? I will terminate them, they will not do damage anymore. In other words, the damaging characteristics within them will be removed. They won't devour, they won't hurt, they won't eat, they won't damage, they won't kill. They will still be here. Lo yaziku, their characteristics will change. Amir of Shimon, Shimon turns to Rabbi Yudah and says, you know how I know I'm right? When is there real praise for Hashem? You get that? When is the real praise of Hashem? When there's no mazikim? When there's no hezik? When there's no damages left? No. When there are mazikim, but there ain't mazikim. But they don't damage. That's a much greater novelty. It's a much greater achievement. It's a much greater accomplishment. Not, I will terminate the wild beast. They're all gone. They disappear. Boom. 
obliterated. No, they're here. But they're not mazik anymore. The Chenu Oimer, this is what the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, the Gor Ze'evim Keves, the wolf, Shalari with the lamb. We're not eliminating the wolf, but the same wolf that in a good day, or in a bad day, would devour the poor sheep, is now going to dwell with the sheep in peace. That is Vishbati Chayera Minaretz. What's the argument between Abihuda and Ripshana? What's the nature of the argument? What is behind the argument? You probably know the anecdote about the Jew who opened up a zoo. And in order to attract visitors, so we had in one of the cages a big sign. Here the Messiah has arrived. The wolf lives with the lamb. And indeed, in the same cage, you had a wolf and you had a lamb. No, Christians and religious people from all over the world came running to the zoo to see the place where actually the Messiah, Mashiach, is there. And this Jew made a mint. I mean, he was raking it in the amounts of people that were coming to see this supernatural messianic phenomenon. This cage where already Mashiach is here. One Jew once visits the zoo, and he understands, you know, there's some issue here. He goes to see the owner, he says, you know, you know, I know who you are. Tell me, Taka, how do you achieve this? How do you have the wolf and the lamb in the same cage? How do you do it? He says, it's not a problem, I just change the lamb every day. <laughs> so Reb Shimon argues, Begarzevim Kevis means literally, we won't have to change the lamb. It's the same lamb every day. And not only in his zoo, but in the world over. What's the argument between them? So let's learn a shtikl ragachavim. Zagdir HaGachavah Gaon, Tzofnos Pameyach HaLatayre, in the Sefer Tzofnos Pameyach HaMchumash, Parshish B'Chukhoisa, in the beginning, there's a piece there, from a tshuva that he wrote. Let's see his words inside. Kedarkoy, as is his case, it's very brief, and it's very cryptic, and one has to work hard to dissect it, and today we'll try, Be'ezer Hashem, to dissect his words. Hine, says the HaGachavah, Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the Torah brings an argument between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon. And here he quotes the argument, but when he quotes the argument, he already gives his interpretation to the argument. You know, sometimes the way you quote it is already, is already, different people quote the same, I'm a chazal in different ways. The way somebody quotes it, you can already hear how he's learning it. What's the argument? He doesn't quote it literally, verbatim. He gives a perspective. If termination, What does the Torah mean? The quantity of the thing. This is the view of Rabbi Yehuda. He follows his view elsewhere. The ain beer chametz elisreifa. The only way to destroy chametz is through burning. What does this mean? That means that sarich shaloitehe hakamos. The Torah doesn't want the kamos of chametz, the physical matter, what we call the quantity kamos. Of chametz comes from the word kama. How much the physical quantity of chametz should not be here? As it says in Talmud Yerushalmi, the second chapter of Psachim, Hashbasa. According to Rabbi Yehuda, what's Hashbasa? Sheyehei b'lo yira. 
What type of hashbasa has to be a hashbasa sheyeh b'loyira hashbasa that shall achieve loyira? The pasuk says loyira lechachamis loyira lechasayv chal v'lecha. You should not see chametz should not be found in your domain in your property. That's what hashbasa means by chametz. It says hashbisu. It shouldn't be found at all. According to Rabbi Yehuda, what does that mean? How could it not be found if it's burnt, turns into ashes? Reb Shimon holds, Tashbisu includes also the termination of the quality of the object. And therefore he disagrees with Reb Yehuda by Chometz and here. What is the Rakachava telling us? It says, What's the word that's used? I will terminate. I will destroy. I will make sure it seizes. Right? From the word Shabbos. It seizes. Rest. Gone. It's gone. It's not here. What does that mean? She says, where else does it say Tashbisu? It says somewhere else Vihishbati. Where? By Chometz. In Parshish Boy. Ach Bayoim HaRishon. Tashbisu Soer Mebatech. On Erev Pesach, you need to terminate the Chometz, the leaven, the yeast from your home. How do you terminate chametz? How do you make hashbosa of chametz? What does tashbisu mean? You have the same argument. What's the argument? Look in the next source, Psachim, the beginning of Perek Beis, the first Mishnah in the second chapter of Psachim. Rabbi Yehuda says the only way to terminate chametz is through burning the chametz. Including Rabbi Shimon, who was the primary bar plukta, the primary tan who argues with, with Rabbi Yehuda. You don't have to burn it. If you want, you can burn it. But you can, uh, you can, uh, crumble it. Cast it to the ear. Or you could throw, take the chametz and throw it into the sea. What's the nature of the argument between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon? What's the difference? According to the Rakat Shavar, it's the definition of Tashbisu. Rabbi Yehuda Tainas, that the chametz has to be burned because tashbisu means that the very substance of the matter must be gone, obliterated, ceases to exist. And therefore, when you burn your chametz, now you have ashes. Ashes in Allah is called the ponim chadashes. It's a new face, it's a new reality. The chametz is gone. Chachamim say no. Rav Shimon says no, that's not what tashbisu means. Tashbisu means the echos of the chametz should be destroyed. What do I mean the echos? The chashivos, the value, the significance. What are you going to do with a crumb of bread in your house? What are you going to do with a crumb of bread? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to feed it to your children? Are you going to feed it to your puppy? Are you going to benefit from it? Are you going to make a Danish out of it? What are you going to do with a crumb? Tell me. It has value. It has uh, utility. It has any practical benefit. You take a piece of bagel, you throw it into the Atlantic Ocean. What are you going to do with that bagel? Tell me. Is the chametz existing? The chametz is existing, no question. Was it obliterated? It wasn't obliterated. Does it have value? Does it have use? Of course not. Its functionality is gone. Its echos, its value, its quality, its caliber is not here. That's Tashbisu. Where do you see this is the argument? Vishbati chayiram minaretz. According to the Yehuda, what's vishbati chayiram minaretz? It's not here. If the chayah is here, it's not vishbati. Rabbi Shimon says, I don't care if the chayah is here. I don't care if the chayah is here. But the characteristic of the chai, just like by chametz, the, the value of chametz, the fu- what's the functionality of chametz? You eat it, 
You sell it. You feed it to your children. You feed it to your animals. You give it to a friend. Right? That's the, that's the functionality of Chavetz. If that functionality is destroyed, I did Vihishbati. The Chayiro is a damaging animal. That characteristic is gone. I don't care if his Metzius is here. But his functionality as a Mazak is gone. I was Mekayim Vihishbati. Tashbisu, Tashbisu. This is the argument between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon according to the Tzofnas Paneich. We'll soon get back to another shtickle of the Tzofnas Paneach, where he explains, based on this, another argument between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, Psachim Davchavches, a famous argument, Chomet She'over Alav HaPeskit. Let's say you didn't destroy your Chomets on Pesach, nor did you sell it, nor did you burn it, nor did you crumble it, and now the Chomets lives through Pesach. And the mashke is in your pantry, the frozen pizza is in your refrigerator, the bread is in your freezer, and it's after Pesach, and you want to cook yourself a nice pasta like the minig of Jews, the Metzoy Pesach. It's almost a biblical obligation to eat pizza, to eat chametz, at least by some people. And you take out your chametz, what's the halacha? Rabbi Yehuda says, chametz shavar alava Pesach is absolutely forbidden. Rabbi Shimon says, no. No, true, the rabbis penalize you, the rabbis don't want you to eat it, but it's not asur. We'll soon see this is connected also to this argument. But now let's take a step, let's take this one step further. Where else do we have the, the word tashbisu and chumash? Where else? You have it by Bati Chayera, you have it by Pesach, where? Not only once in seven years, how often? Every week, every week you have a tashbisu. What does the pasuk say? Mishpatim kisisa ubayoy mashvi tishbois kivoy shavas mikol malachtan ubayoy mashvi shavas. The mitzvah is by mashvi tishbois. You should. We say tishbois. You should rest. The translation of tishbois is you should seize. You should terminate tashbisu. What should you terminate? Not yourself. Malacha. Your creative labor on Shabbos, you have to terminate. Tishboys. What's the definition of Tishboys by Shabbos? So here, the Lubavitcher Rebbe in Asicha on Yutas uh, Kislev Tavshin Lamed, Yutas Kislev 1969, published in his Lukuti Sichis volume 7, Bechukhoisai, based on this record Shaver, Says, take a look at Shabbos. You have the same machloikas between who? Between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Zagda Gemara, Beitzit, Avchav Gimel, Omer Aleph. Rabbi Yehuda, Sava, Rabbi Yehuda holds, Dover, She'enai, Meskavin, Asur. If you do a malach on Shabbos completely unintentional, it's still forbidden. Midirabonon, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon argues, the Amari holds, Dover, She'enai, Meskavin, Mutter. If it's something that you didn't have kavana, it's permissible on Shabbos. Not only is it not biblically forbidden, certainly not, but it's permissible. You're allowed to do it. What is he referring to? So this is the famous principle that any basic student of Hilchah Shabbos knows, called Dover She'enoi Miskavah. The classic example of Dover She'enoi Miskavah is, you're in Munsi, 
you're in the country, it's Shabbos afternoon, you need to schlep a table from one bungalow to another bungalow because you're having a nice meal with a family, another family, you have to schlep a bench, you schlep the bench through the field. As you're schlepping the bench or the table through the field, it may make a uh, groove, a groove in the ground, which of course is the malacha of what? Of choyrish, of plowing. Are you allowed to do it or are you not allowed to do it? What's my objective? My objective is to plow the ground? No. My objective is to bring the table from my porch to your porch. My objective is to eat a meal of Shabbos. I need a bench. How do I do it? I schlep it over, over the earth, over the ground outside. As a result, maybe I'm going to make a groove and work the ground chayrish, which is of course forbidden on Shabbos. What's the status of such an act? Rabbi Yehuda says, you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to do it. I don't have kavana for the malacha. And it may happen, but it may also not happen. Rabbi Yehuda says, you're not allowed to do it. Rabbi Shimon says, Dover is absolutely permissible. You walk on Shabbos, you walk on the grass. Is it possible that as a result of walking on the grass, a blade of grass is uprooted from the ground? That's a problem of kaitse, of harvesting. Yet Jews walk on the grass constantly. Why is it not a problem? According to Rabbi Yehuda, how can you walk on grass? You may uproot the grass. You may not uproot it, you may uproot the grass. Are you going to be so careful that you're certainly it's not going to happen? No, it's awesome. Rabbi Shimon says, I don't care. If you uproot the grass, it's fine. It's fine. Of course, you're not going to have intention to uproot the grass. But if you, if it happens, it's not inevitable. If it's not inevitable, if it's inevitable, it's a separate situation called psikresha. If it's not inevitable, it may happen, it may not happen. Shimon says, Mutter. Rabbi Yehuda says, it is forbidden. This is what the Gemara says in Beitz, and it's quoted many times in Shas. People, you have a garbage can that's open on Shabbos. You cover the garbage can, right? You don't want the garbage open. Or you have a garbage bag that's full, call it a garav sharei, and you tie the garbage bag. When you cover your garbage can, is it not possible that there's a bug inside? Did you not trap the bug? How can you do this on Shabbos? You don't even think about this. The answer is, Rabbi Yudha says you're not allowed. Rabbi Shimon says, I'm trying to trap a bug. I'm not trying to trap a bug. I'm trying to cover up a garbage can. I don't like the smell. I want to take out the garbage from the house. I have to cut, tie the bag. Of course, I'm not. That's uh, not forbidden on Shabbos. That's a separate issue. There's a, there's a bug there. I didn't have any intention. There may be a bug, there may not be a bug. I don't know that there's a bug there. Maybe. It's very possible if you have some good food. The kishka was good, that Shabbos is probably a few bugs. If it wasn't so good, then there's no bugs. But if you're not sure there was a bug, you're allowed to do it. This is the argument between Rebbe Yudha and Ibshin. What's the nature of the argument? What's the Svaras HaMachloikis? By Shabbos it says, Tishboys. When I am walking and I uproot a blade of grass, but I didn't have kavona to do it. I tie the bag, I trap a bug, but I didn't have conscious intent to do it. I slap the bench over the ground and it makes a furrow, it makes a groove. I plowed the earth, but I didn't have intention. The actual malacha was done. The physical creative act was done. The grass was detached. The earth was worked. And the animal, the bug was trapped. But what lacks? My intent. My kavana. My intention. This is the argument between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yehuda says, on Shabbos it says, Tish voice. The malach has to be terminated. What does that mean? 
Just like by chametz, ain't be your chametz elisreifa. I don't want chametz here. I don't want a malacha here. Tish boys. If the malacha is here, it's not tish boys. The chachamim said it's prohibited. The malacha is here. What's missing? What's missing is the soul of the malacha, the intent, the conscious kavana that I want to do a malacha. I have the chayira. I have the goof. I have the body of the tiger. I have the body of the cheetah. I have the body of this animal. I have it. But I don't have its negative characteristics. I have the chametz. But it has no value. It has no utilitarian purpose. It has no quality. I have the malacha. But I don't have the consciousness of the malacha. Right? There's no intent for the malacha. Reb Shimon says, this is Tish boys. Ah, you did the malacha. Was Dover Shein and Miskavin? Rabbi Yehuda says, it's not Tish voice. There was no Shvitz on Shabbos. Why? Because the Malacha is here. The Guf HaChametz is here. It became a little crumb of Fire Luach, but the Chametz is here. The Chayira is here. There's another argument between them on Shabbos. What's the second argument between them on Shabbos? Take a look. In the same source, the next line, Shabbos, Tzadikimel Amit Beis. Rabbi Yehuda, Imer Malacha, Sheinet Shrichiluguf, Chayev Allaha. It's a very dramatic argument. Rabbi Huda holds, not only it's prohibited, but the Rabbana, you're chayev. In the Zman of the Beis HaMikdush, if you did it, you would have to bring a carbon chatos if it was inadvertent. Rabbi Shimon says, you're not liable. You're potter. The rabbis prohibited it. That's what potter means. Potter, I have a loss of your example. What's Malacha Sheinetzrich HaLagufa? Malacha Sheinetzrich HaLagufa literally means... It's a malacha. I do the malacha. I have kavona to do the malacha. My intent is to do the malacha, but my goal is not the same goal of what this malacha creates. Every malacha on Shabbos creates something. It has an impact. I'm doing the malacha. I know I'm doing the malacha. I want to do the malacha. But my tachlis, my goal, is not to do the creative act that this malacha does. I have another purpose. For example, I dig a pit on Shabbos. I dig a pit on Shabbos. There could be a different, different purposes here. What's the creative act? I could be working the ground, making grooves in the ground to make it fertile. That's chayrish, that's forbidden on Shabbos. I could be creating the foundation for a house. That's boiling, building. I could be creating a groove to plant trees. That's part of the planting process. But that's not the reason I'm doing it. You know why I'm doing it? I need the earth. I need the earth. That's what I need. That's an example of Malacha She'ein Atzrich I want to dig out the pit. But I'm not interested in the creative act of digging a pit. I just need sand. So I take the sand. A pit is created. Another example, Chazal give. I extinguish a flame. But why do I extinguish the light? I don't extinguish the light... Because uh, there's, there's a fire burning, I need the coal, I need the coal, so I extinguish the flames, I have the coal. I extinguish the wick, because I want a singed wick. That's what the extinguishing the flame creates. I want it to be singed so I could relight it again. I want it because I want the charcoal, I want the pecham. No, I just don't like the light, it's not letting me sleep. This is an example of Malach Hashem There's a dead mouse in your house. You take it out to Rosh Hashanah. Why do you do it? You want to carry it to Rosh Hashanah. But not because 
You want to transport the mouse into Rishus HaRabim. You don't care. You just want it out of your house. It smells. You don't like, you don't like the look of it. There's a snake going. It's not lethal. It's not, uh, it doesn't kill. But it can, it can create agony. It can create misery. It can create damage. So I trap it. I put a box over it. I trap it. But I didn't trap the snake. Why? Because I wanted the snake. I'm not interested in the creative result of trapping. I just don't want it to damage me. That's called Melacha She'ena Tzricha Leguf. According to Toysfus and Masech Shabbos, the definition of Melacha Tzricha Leguf, She'ena Tzricha Leguf, Toysfus says in Shabbos Sadiq Dalit is, if you do the Melacha with the same intent for which it was done in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, when they dug a pit, it was not because they needed the earth. Because they wanted the pit. In the Mishkan, when they extinguished the flame, it's because they wanted the wick to be sin so they could relight it and it should be easy to light the wick. In the Mishkan, when they carried something into the Rishus HaRabim, it's because they wanted to transport the item from here to here. From the Rishus HaYachit to the Rishus HaRabim, from this domain to another domain. That's Toysfus's definition. Rashi has the definition I gave earlier. If you're doing the Malacha for the creative purpose to fulfill the goal of this malacha, of what it creates, that's called tzrichel agufa. Then you're liable according to everybody. What if you do malacha shein and tzrichel agufa? You dig the pit and you want the earth. You trap the snake and you just don't want it to do harm. Of course, it's not because never, then of course you let it trap it. You extinguish the candle, you extinguish the, you shut off the light in your room for the simple reason you want to go to sleep. That's what you're, you're interested in. You're not interested in the creation of what the flame what the extinguishing of the flame creates. So what's the halacha here? Rabbi Yehuda says, you're chayev min This is Shabbos. This is the issue of Shabbos. You're liable for a carbon chattis. Rabbi Shimon says, min you're allowed to do it. It's not a problem. Why? Because it's ain't tzrichel agufa, you're allowed to do it. The rabbi said, you're not allowed to do it. Rabbi Shimon says, you're allowed to do it. What's the svar samachleik between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon? Here we have the same pattern that the Rabbi Chavar established. By Shabbos it says... Tish boys, you should rest, you should terminate the malacha. What does tish boys mean? The malacha is not here. This bitl chametz, this bitl malacha, this tashbisu of chametz, this tashbisu of malacha. When I'm doing a malacha shein etzricha legufa, I'm doing it. I know what I'm doing. I want to do the malacha. I want to do the malacha. It's not a davar shein emeskavan. But I don't want to do this malacha. Malacha shein etzricha legufa. I'm not interested in doing this malacha. My goal, there is what I know I'm doing and there's what my goal is. My goal is not this malacha. Or the way Taisva says, my goal is not the malacha the way it was done in the Mishkan, which is the definition of the malacha. So therefore, legabe this malacha, the goal of this malacha, there's no intent, there's no soul. The maisa is there. But the mechuvan, the goal of the malacha is not there. I'm not interested in the goal of this malacha. I am not there in this malacha. Is it tish voice or is it not tish voice? According to Rabbi Yehuda, there was no tish voice. You know why? Your goal may be something else. But you extinguished the candle on Shabbos. You dug a pit on Shabbos. According to Rabbi Shimon, it's tish voice. I dug the pit on Shabbos. But my kavona was not for this malacha. Malacha she'ne So therefore, this malacha, the kamos was there. The matter was there. But the echos, the quality, the quality of it doesn't have my intent. Malachis machsheves asratayra. By Shabbos, you need malachis machsheves, the Gemara says. You need conscious thought. And therefore, malachis shenetzuchel agufa, according to Rabbi Shimon. 
Medirabonam, they prohibited it. Medirabonam, it's fine. Dovoshenim is kavan. Here, it goes even further. Rabbi Yehuda says, Minhatayra, you're allowed to do it, but Medirabonam, you can't do it. Rabbi Shimon says, even the rabbis see no connection between this and a problem of Shabbos. Dovoshenim is kavan is good. Now, it's interesting, we know that by Dovoshenim is kavan, the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. That's why we walk on grass on Shabbos. And that's why we could schlep a bench on the ground on Shabbos. The Allah is like Rabshim. By Malacha Shein at Shrikhilagufa, the Rambam and Hilchis Shabbos Perik Aleph follows the view of Rabbi Yehuda. The Rambam holds Malacha Shein at Shrikhilagufa, Yechayim on Shabbos. However, many poiskin and uh, seemingly the view of the Shulchan Aruch, I say seemingly because it, it's, it's a complicated sugya, because there are seeming some apparent contradictions in Shulchan Aruch. But the common view of Moist Poiskim and the common view even in Shulchan Aruch is, Malach Hashem Yitzvichelagufa is Potter, also like Reb Shimon, not like Rabbi Yehud. The Gemara in Zvachim, the Shabbos Daf Membeis, and Zvachim Daf Tzadig Gimel, Daf Tzadig Dalet, believes initially that uh, if you hold like Reb Shimon by Dover Shein and you hold like Reb Shimon by Malach Hashem Yitzvichelagufa. Then the Gemara says, not necessarily. And Toysfus in both places says, why? What's the connection? It's two separate arguments. I don't see the connection. According to this Yisoyed of the Ragachavar, of course we understand the connection. It's the same Yisoyed. Is there Tishboys when you have the Malacha, but you don't have the soul of the Malacha? The Mechuvan of the Malacha? You don't have Kavana for the Malacha, or you don't have Kavana for the objective of the Malacha? Is that Tishboys or not? It's the same Yisoyed. And that's why the Gemara initially believes if you hold like Rav Shimon in one, you hold like Rav Shimon in the other. According to this Yisoyed. Lamaskana, we understand that you could distinguish between them. Because Dover Shein and Miskaban means you completely had no intent for this Malacha. You didn't even want to do it. You're completely not there. It's like a Malacha without a Neshama. It's a dead body. Rabbi Yehuda still says it's awesome. Rabbi Shimon says it's mutter. A Malacha Shein Gufa, you wanted to do the Malacha. It's just you didn't want... The goal of this malach. So therefore, by malach we can understand that it's still much more severe than Dover Shein and which is why Rabbi Yehuda holds it's chayiv. It's not only asr, meaning midirabanim, it's also chayiv menater. Now, of course, we just have to make this note that Ritva writes in Masechta Yum, I think Lamed Gimel or Lamed Dalet, that Dover she'ena miskaven is mutter, is a klal not only in Shabbos, but in kol There is one view, the view of the she'iltas, that it's only Shabbos, but most priests can believe Dover she'ena miskaven is mutter in all areas of Torah. So the Ritva explains, because Shabbos is a binyanav. It creates a paradigm to show that in kol ha-terikul, Dover she'ena miskaven is mutter. So we have three machloikas. V'yishbati chayiram in aretz, Right? Tashbisu by Chametz and Tishbois by Shabbos. Three times in Torah we have the word Shabbos. And in all three instances, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon argue. Now you learn these arguments of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, but you don't put them together. The Rakachava puts together Vishbati, Chayiram, and Aretz, and Chametz. The Lubavitcher Rebbe puts together Shabbos. You have a full picture in all these three situations. By Chayirah, Rabbi Yehuda says, there's no animal whatsoever. Ma'avira min ha'olam, you terminate the animal. Rabbi Shimon says, no, mashbisun shaloyaziku. The animal is there, it just doesn't damage. 
by chametz, Rabbi Yehuda says, Tashbisu is, there's no chametz, it seizes, you terminate the chametz, it's burnt, Rabbi Shimon says, no, I don't care if you have the chametz here, as long as you destroy, it's what? It's value, it's fabric, it's benefit, it's functionality, it functions as a piece of food that you can enjoy, it's not here, that's good. By Shabbos, Rabbi Yehuda says, Dover Shein and is us, Rabbi Shimon says, Dover Shein and Mutter, you have the malacha, you have the malacha, but you don't have the kavan of the malacha, Shimon says it's mutter. Rebuda says it's aser. Malacha shein tzricha legufa. You have the malacha. You have the kavana. But your intent is not for the goal of this malacha. Rebuda says you're liable minatayra. And Reb Shimon says it's potter minatayra. Biblically, you're exempt. Come now back to Shabbos daflamet gimelam and aleph. They're discussing Rome. Comes Reb Yehuda and says, "You gotta love these Romans. Look what they did. Look what they did." They built marketplaces. They built bathing houses. They built bridges. I'm a chayyot to live with them. Before the Romans came in, it was a third world country. Nothing was functioning. To get from one side of the city to another side of the city to travel to your, to your father-in-law for shvuas. You had to leave a half a year before. It was a great excuse. The Romans, I'm a I'm a Look what they did. What does Rip Shimon tell Rabbi Yehuda? What does he say? What was their kavana? What was their kavana? Rabbi Yehuda says, I don't care what your kavana was. The malacha was done. Rabbi Shimon says, it's all about kavana. It's mutter. Why? There was no kavana. What was the kavana of the Romans? Completely narcissistic, completely self-centered. The action is a good action. The result is a good result. But the soul behind it is rotten. The soul behind it is corrupt. Here you see the same principle in the world of Rabbi Yehuda and in the world of Rabbi Shimon. And indeed, very swiftly, if you study many of the arguments between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon and Shas, I think you could see a similar pattern that the Ragachover establishes. In Torah's Koyin and Parshas B'chukoysan. And I'll go through with you a few, and we'll do it swiftly. Take a look, Baba Metziah, Dav Kuf Tesvav, Sanhedin Dav Chafalov. Rabbi Yehuda, Loi Dorish Taim Adekra, Rabbi Shimon Dorish Taim Adekra. Rabbi Yehuda never believed in expounding the reason of a posset. Rabbi Shimon always expounds the reason of a posset. With practical ramifications, the posset says, Loi Sach Balbega Dalmona. You give a loan to a widow, you can't take her cloak as collateral. You can't take a mashkin from her. Is there a reason for this? Reb Shimon says, of course there's a reason. The reason is, what's the reason? The reason is, the halach is, if you take somebody's cloak, and they need it at night, they use it as a blanket, or as pajamas, you have to return it. Right? If they use it during the day, you have to return it in the morning. She's an almona, you're going to be going in every single night to give her back her cloak. As they say, the Gemara says, Masiya Shemra. It's that's the, you know, uh, the WhatsApps are already going to start spreading stories. So Rabbi Shimon says, if she's a wealthy widow, she's a wealthy widow, she doesn't need the cloak at night, she has more. So then you're allowed to take collateral. Why? Darish time of the crow. What does time of the crow mean? He's looking not only for the halacha, what is he looking? For the reason, for the pnimiyas, for the echos, for the neshama, for the intent, for the kavana. Darish time of the crow. Brach is daf mem gimel amid beis. 
Better to throw yourself into a fiery furnace and not to embarrass somebody's face in public. Tomo was ready to go into fire rather than embarrass and shame Yehuda in public. She simply intimated to him that he was the one who impregnated her and gave him a dignified way and gave him the opportunity to confess, which he did. He said, Tzotka, Mimeni, I am the father of these children. And of course, Tamar and her twins were speared. Reb Shimon believes, believes that the respect of a person, robbing the respect of a person is akin to murder. You insulted a person publicly, you killed him, you killed him. He's alive, he's functioning. But sometimes as a person who was abused, who was shamed, who was disgraced, who was denigrated his whole life, you look at him, everything is normal. Inside, a dead man walking. How many of our own, how many of our own who have been abused during childhood or at a certain point in their life, everything seems functional. They smile at their bar mitzvah for all the pictures. They may even go to their chuppah with a half a smile. But inside... Inside, in their pnimius, in their soul, they're sometimes dead. They feel valueless, insignificant. You probably heard a story that happened last week, which just reflects these types of tragedies. And so, Rip Shimon says, embarrassing somebody in public is mamish like murdering somebody. Better, better, to, you're going to murder somebody, kill yourself. Rip Shimon looks at the pnimius, at the pnimius. Baba Kama Perik Zion, fascinating machloikas, lovely machloikas. I steal your sheep. I steal your bull. I slaughter it. If I steal your animal, what do I have to pay? Double. What if I slaughter it? Four times or five times. I take your sheep, I steal it, I slaughter it. It's a trefa. It has a, a, a terminal illness, a disease. It's not kosher. Now I have to pay you back. Do I have to pay you back five times? Or they have to pay you back double. Or a shaykhit chulin He takes the chulin, brings it into the base of it, and shechts it there. There's nothing you can do with it. You gotta pay the penalty four or five times. Reb Shimon Shimon exempts you. Why? My time, Shamin and Reb Shimon, we learn from Reb Shimon. The Omar, Shchita Shainer Ruya, Loishma Shchita. If the Shchita, it's not a kosher shchit that doesn't accomplish its goal. It's not called shchit. What does Rip Shimon mean? Of course you shechted the animal. But why did you shecht an animal? You like killing animals. Why did you shecht the animal? To eat it. To eat it. I'm asking you a question. I shechted an animal. I can't eat it. Is it called shchit or is it not called shchit? The goof of shchit was here. But the objective of shchit is not here. Rip Shimon says it's not shchit. Like Dover Shein and Eskavan. The Chomets is here. The Chomets is here. But what's Geich Tomedem? What am I doing with the crumb? Tell me. There's no functionality. This behemoth, the Shechita is not a functional Shechita. It doesn't have practical results. It's not Shechita. You don't have to pay four or five times. You shechted it, but it's not called Shechita. Menach is Dafkov Beis. Omer Reb Shimon. By the way, whenever it says Reb Shimon in Shas, it's always Reb Shimon by Yechais. Tam Reb Shimon, Rashbi. If it's going to be thrown, it's like thrown. If it's going to be burnt, it's like burnt. It wasn't burnt. The intent is here, not the action. 
Fascinating machloikas. Ha'arla, fruits the first three years. Kloi ha'kerem, the hybrid of the vineyard. Shor ha'niskel, a bull that's supposed to be stoned. Kill the person. Egla arufa, the calf of the arufa that's brought as an offering because somebody was found slain. Tzipari mitzayre, the birds that the leper brings for his cleansing. Petachamoy, the donkey that's exchanged for the sheep. Basa you cook meat with milk. Kulon metam and tumas What have they become tamay? A mace touches them, a corpse touches them, or another source of tumah. Are they metami tumas You touch the meat and the milk. You touch the meat and the milk. Are you tamay? Yeah. They don't make you tamay. Why not? It's food. In my time with the Rabshima, the Ksivit says in Shmini, Mikol Ha'oichel Asher Yeyacha, from all the food that's eaten, if it becomes Tomei, it makes other things Tomei. Oichel Shata Yochel Achilo Lachainim Koroyoichel. Shiata Yochel Achilo Lachainim Emi Koroyoichel. Food that you could feed to somebody is called food. If you can't feed it to anybody, it's not called food. I cook meat and milk, it's food. It's Arla. It's a beautiful apple. What am I going to do with it? What do we see here according to Reb Shimon? When is it called food? If it can fulfill the objective of food. I don't care that the body is food, the matter is food. It looks like food, it tastes like food, it is food. But the objective of food is not it. You can't eat it. What are you going to do with Basa According to Tanakama, it's Matame, it's Eichel. According to Reb Shimon, it's not considered Eichel. Comes now the Ragachover, Tzafnas Paneach, Kuntris Hashlom. Gabi Chomet, Talib Machlik, is Rabbi Rabbi Shimon, and Chomet, Lachira Pesach, also Bahano. Rabbi Huda holds Chomet after Pesach, you're not allowed to benefit from if it went through Pesach and you didn't destroy it or sell it. And if Shimon says it's Mutter, why? The man, the Svirle Asur, the one who holds that Chomet after Pesach is Asur, Svirle, he holds the Ha'isur Cholala Etzel. The Isur of Chomet, is conferred on the etzem, on the very substance of the chametz. Oman the svirle muter, svirle he holds the yehaverak toyar. Chametz is only a toyar in the object; it's not the etzem. And when the time passes, bottle hatoyar. The toyar of chametz is nullified. Now these are abstract words, etzem and toyar. And let's see another line of his. Is chametz an essential issue which you're not allowed to eat on Pesach? Or maybe on Pesach you're not allowed to eat chametz. You see a difference? These are Kachov's words. How do you understand chametz on Pesach? Do you say chametz is asr on Pesach, or on Pesach you're not allowed to eat chametz? Very few people would even notice. That there's a difference between these two views. According to him, it's not only a difference, it's an essential difference, and creates many results in halach. According to Rabbi Yehuda, chametz is asr on Pesach. According to Rabbi Shimon, on Pesach, you're not allowed to eat chametz. On Pesach, chametz is asr. Now, what is this? Semantics? Far from semantics. This has to do with a question of etzim and And here is always his bridge between halacha and philosophy. Let me first describe it in people. It'll be easier to understand when it comes to chametz. How do I know if there's something in you that is essential or it's not really who you are? It's just circumstantial. 
When you hear, when you're here, you behave this way. Because you're influenced by the environment. You're influ- you know, how many people, when they grow up in a certain home, as long as you're in that home, you behave a certain way. The moment you leave home, they're no guy, right? There's Jews, you know, uh, you meet them sometimes, they say, now I'm on vacation. Now I'm on vacation. I'm untervegans. I'm in the airport. There's different rules in the airport. Now I'm in China. I'm in China. There's different laws. You know, Har Sinai wasn't in China. There's certain elements of your identity that they may be part of you, they may be part of you 30 years, but they're not who you are. They're not part of your etzim, they're not part of your essence. For example, the fact that you're a human being, hopefully that will never change. Even if you choose, it's part of who you are. You have physically, right? You have your height, you have the color of your eyes, you have the color of your hair. I mean, you could work hard to dye your hair, but it will not change the natural color of your hair. But then there's those elements of life that are circumstantial. In this place, in this community, as a result of these teachings, this is how I am. Right? You put me somewhere else, and the layers will come off, and it's not there anymore. Etzem is not subjected to change based on circumstances or time. Something that's essential in you, it'll be today, it'll be here in 10 years, it'll be part of you in 30 years or 40 years. If it's something that's circumstantial, when you're 20, you're one type of person, when you're 40, you're a different type of person, when you're 60, you're a different type of person. Somebody once told me that the difference is, when you're 20, you're very self-conscious. You look at yourself, you know, who am I, who am I not, where do I fit in, what type of bachar I am, what type of girl I am. Exactly. You know, you're always positioning yourself. Who are my friends? Who's my clique? Am I popular? Am I not popular? When you hit 40, hopefully you develop a new consciousness. You know, I couldn't care less what you're thinking about me, how you look at me. I am who I am. You like me, great. You don't like me, fine. Find another friend. When you're 60, you realize nobody was ever looking at you. But uh, these are developments. I'm not 60 yet, so I can't, uh, I can't testify about that. I'm still in the stages of self-consciousness, unfortunately. However, there are changes that people have in their life. When it's an etzem, it's a atzmi. It's not a toya. Toya is, it's a description of who you are. It's not you. Etzem means it's the essence. It doesn't change with time. Says the Rakat Shabbat, this is the Machlaikas of Yehuda and Rabshim and Chamat Shabbat Allah Pesach. On Pesach, the Torah, the creator of the world, confers a chalois, Easter Chamat, on this bagel. This bagel is now a forbidden piece of food. It's chametz. Eight days, seven days. What happens after Pesach? Rabbi Yehuda holds ein beer chametz el Why? Because he holds tashbisu means you got to destroy the core. Why the core? Because chametz is an iser atzmi. The very etzim of the chametz is not good on Pesach. I don't care if you have a mafire of Israel or Ruach Matalayam. I don't care that you can't eat it. It's not functional. It's not functional, but it's here. Its core is forbidden. Its core is bad, so to speak. Get rid of it. Burn it. Destroy its core. Turn it into ashes. After Pesach, the Torah never changed it. The core was Asr. Pesach is Asr. According to the Pshimen, the Isr chametz never penetrated the core. Vaharaya, you can have the chametz in your house. What you need to get rid of is the functionality of it as food. The utility of it, the benefit of it, the caliber of it, the value of it. The etzim of it was not forbidden. So he says, on Pesach, it became forbidden. It's a toyar. 
It's a toya. It became a description of Isur. The time changes. Time changes. It was never an Isur Atzmi. So now the Chametz is Mutter. The core is not forbidden. So now Chametz Pesach passed. It's not an Isur Atzmi. Rabbi Shimon says, Chametz Shavalava Pesach is Mutter. Let's take this now one step further. Reb Shimon by Yechai, whose Yom HaYilula, whose great day of Simcha we just celebrated on Magboimer, and often coincides with Parshish B'chukhoisai, was of course Morei B'pnimiyus HaToyre. He is the one who revealed to the world the Zohar, the most foundational text of Torah Hanister of Kabbalah, Pnimiyus HaToyre, the internal part of Torah, as we say in one of the piyutim, one of the poems of Lagboimah that you sang at the bonfires wherever you were. Lechol Yisrael Heir Besoy Toiras Haboyir Koir Hachama Mazir Adoineinu Bar Yechai. He illuminated the Jewish world with the secrets of the luminescent Torah. He revealed it like the light of the sun, our master Bar Yechai. Mori the Pnimiyas Torah is looking for the Neshama of Torah. For the pnimius of Torah. Dover Shainam is If there's no Kavana, it's Mutter. He's looking for the pnimius. What's his name? Shimon. What's the idea of Shimon? Shimon comes from the word, the Gemposit says in Vayetze, Shmiya, hearing. What's the difference between seeing and hearing? By Matan Torah it says, V'chol ha'am, Royan Asakoyos. So Chazal say, Rabbi Akiva says, They saw what is heard, they heard what is seen. What does it mean? How does it mean you see what is heard? The difference between seeing and hearing is, seeing relates to physical objects. I see a physical object. Hearing, you hear voices, but you also hear ideas. Shema Yisrael means Havana. We say in English, I hear you, I get you, I understand you. Hearing in terms of listening and also understanding can relate also to abstract concepts, to spiritual concepts, to ideas, emotions. Re'iyah, I can't see an idea. You say, I see what you're saying, but that's of course, that's of course, uh, uh, Shema Muslim metaphoric language, but the word Shmi'ah in Tanakh means Shema Yisrael, Daber Ki It's absorbing, it's internalizing, it's listening. Re'iyah relates to Gashmias. Shmi'ah can relate to something that's Ruchmias. Something more abstract, something more transcendent. You have to listen. You have to listen to it. It's it's deeper. You don't see it on the surface. That's what Shmi is. Shmi is listening. What happened by Matan Torah? What is usually heard, they see. The presence of the Rebbeinu Shalolim, you hear. We don't have sculptures. We don't have graven images. You can't see it. I see matter. I can't see the Koyach HaPoyel Benifo. I can't see the empty space in the atom. I can't see the divinity in the world. I have to hear. Kishemeya, Shimon, the Pnimiyah, Shmiya. Matan Torah, they saw. They saw what is usually heard. They say that in communist Russia, there was once a communist teacher, and uh, one of the great agendas of the communists was to uproot awareness and faith in God from the Soviet Union, which they did very successfully, extremely effectively. And uh, so there was once a teacher who turns to his classroom and he says, do you see the sun outside of the window? Do you see the sun? 
And the children say, yes. And he says, you know why you see the sun? Because it exists. Do you see the building across the street? They say, yes. Do you know why you see the building? Because it exists. Do you see that person walking down the sidewalk? Yes, you know why? Because he exists. Then he turns to the classroom and he says, Do you see God? Do you see Boga? And they all say, No. And he says, You know why? Logically, of course. And he concludes the sentence. It's not here. It doesn't exist. Wow. Follow it if you want. How do you challenge this? It was a Jewish child. He raises his hand and he says, May I ask a question? All the students, do you see our teacher's nose? Yeah. You know why? It exists. Do you see his eyes? Yes. You know why they exist? Do you see his stomach? Yes. You know why it exists? Do you see his brains? Now he says, no, no, no. He says, you know why? Because it's gone. It doesn't exist. In life, in life, if you reduce your entire reality to what you see with your eyes, to what you see with your external senses, your reality becomes smaller. Shimon is Shmiya, perception, Pnimius, Kavana, intent, depth. He looks at the Romans and he says, but what are they thinking? What are they feeling? What is their objective? Let's now translate the Machloikas between Rabbi Huda and Shimon according to Pnimius HaTayr. According to Tayrus HaNist, according to the Pnimius. Let's take this to the next step. Chametz is an inflated ego. We all know, the Svarim say, Chazal already say, the Yitzhahar, the Gemara and Brachas, the Yitzhahar, the Yitzhahar is the Yitzhahar, the Yitzhahar is the yeast in the dough. When the dough rises and it becomes leaven and it's inflated, it represents an inflated self of self, a yesh, an ego. Ramatza represents humility, deflated ego, plainness, what we call bitl, the suspension of ego. Here is a great machloikas between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon. What do you do with your ego? What do you do with your sense of pride, with your sense of yesh, with your inflated ego? Rabbi Huda says, Ain't be your chametz You gotta burn it. Ponim chadoshes. I want to see something new. I want to see ashes. V'noichi ofar Avinu says. That's Rabbi Huda's view, one perspective. According to Rabbi Shimon, Chametz at its core is not the enemy. The core of Chametz is not the enemy. It's the way you're using the Chametz. You're using it as a functional piece of bread to eat, to sell. That's the problem. I don't care if you crumble it, I don't care if it's in the lake. It's the way it's being expressed. It's the way it's being manifested. The way it's being channeled. The core of the Chametz is not bad. Take me Hishbati Chayiram and Arit. What's the vision of Mashiach? Yom Shekulay Shabbos. You have Shabbos today. Davar Shemim Eskavim Mutter. You have Shabbos. Laosid Lavoi. Vishbati Chayiro. Yom Shekulay Shabbos. The real Shabbos. What's the vision? Reb Shehuda says, Mashpisan Shaloy Azikut. There's no Chametz. It's gone. Laosid Lavoi. There's no Chametz. There's no Chayis Royas. They're gone. Reb Shimon says, No Mashpisan Shaloy Azikut. The wild animal at its core is not bad. It's an additional characteristic. It's a toyot, not the essence. I want to eliminate the damaging characteristics. I want to eliminate the outlet that's destructive. But the chai itself is not wrong. Fakert! He says in Teres Koyinim, what's the real shvach? Not to get rid of it. 
to reorient it, to channel it in the right direction. It's a whole different perspective. That's why Balatani writes in the Kudatayra, all karbonis in the Beis Hamikdash from Menachis, from grain, were baked as matzah. One exception, Shvuas. The Shtei Halechem, the two loaves of bread on Shvuas, Chomets Teyafena, we just read yesterday. Chomets, it has to be baked from Chomets. Usually we say, no Chomets. Besides Shvuas, why? So he says, the difference is Sfiras On Pesach, you get rid of the Yesh, you get rid of the Chomets. There's no Chomets. And then you work on yourself, 49 days. And the ultimate objective is to reach a point where you bring your chametz to Hashem. You don't obliterate your sense of self. Your core is not evil. Your core is not bad. You have to make sure that your sense of self is aligned with your true self. That your sense of self is aligned with your soul. That you realize you're part of Hashem. You realize you're part of God. You realize who you really are. And then on the contrary, your self-awareness is not an evil thing, it's not a bad thing. It's a self-awareness that is actually sacred, it's good, it's healthy, it's wholesome, it's spiritual. Where do you see this the most? By which Tana do you see this quality the most? And here you'll see something fascinating about the way Chazal spoke about Rashbi. There's probably no description anywhere about a human being this way. And I quoted here a few things. At the surface, it's half of a pella, half of a fella. Take a look. Zoyar Chelek Aleph, Dafresh Chafheya Aleph. The Zoyar says, Rashbi is speaking about himself. He says, He's talking about the world. He says, what's going to help the world is, I am here. I am a simon. I am nothing more than a simon, a sign. Take a look at the next, what we'll get back to a moment. Take a look at the next Zoya, Zoya, Chelek, Beis, Daflamet, Chesem, and Aleph. Reb Chiyah and Reb Asi are talking about Rashbi, and this is what they say. See if it says, Parshish Mishpatim, Parshish Kisis, Yerah, Kol, Shurchas, Pnei, Adon, Hashem. Shalosh Pambashana, three times a year, every male has to go see the Rebbeinu Shalolam. Where? You go to the Beis Hamikdash, the Gemara in Chagiga, Keshem Shabaliris, Kachbole Royas, you come to see the face of the Master God. Listen to what the Tanoim said. Man Pnei Ha'odin Havaya, who is the Master Hashem, Do Reb Shimon Baruchoi. This is Reb Shimon Baruchoi. And a Jew reads this, says, isn't the quintessential teaching of Judaism, that a boss of Adam is a boss of Adam. The Rebbeinu Shalom is the Rebbeinu Shalom. Man pnei ya'adin Hashem darashbi. This was no contemporary saying this. This is the Tanoyim, on whom Talit Gemara is based. You have Reb Chia, you have Reb Asi. They're the ones who say this about Rashbi. If you read the liturgy, the piyutim that we sing on Magvoimer, all the MCs on Magvoimer call them Hatana Ha'eloiki. What does Eloiki mean? The godly Tana. At one bonfire, the guy didn't know how to pronounce it, so he kept on you saying that name wrongly. Hatana Eloiki. You read through the piyut Magvoimer. Adoineinu Baryoichoy, our master. Nasa Odom Nemebavurecha Shemin Mishchas Kodesh. 
the greatest, the greatest praises of Rashbi to a point. You're going to greet Rav Shemayichai? How does one understand this? Isn't it like the ultimate arrogance? Isn't it the ultimate chametz? Isn't it the ultimate yeshus? The answer is three words. Ano, simonabal. I am a sinner. What does it mean, a sinner? Simon means, what's a simon? Simon, this is a sign for something else. You see a sign. I'm holding up a sign. This is a sign. You want that object? You want it? You want that road? What's a sign on a road? This is the sign to the road. You know what I am? I'm a simon. I'm a simon for what? I'm a simon for what? Reb Shimon Bayechai was explaining his view. His view about chametz. His view about the person. Nasa odom nemar ba'avurecha. Why? When Hashem said, let's make man, who was he thinking about? Why? Because what is man? Who is Anor? What am I? If you see your eye as divorced from Hashem, if you see your eye as detached from Hashem, if you see your eye essentially as negative, or at best neutral, you fight it your whole life. Tomei, angry Yechamot Salasreifer, Tashbisu. Reb says, no. The eye could be used in a wrong way. The eye can be perverted. The eye can be corrupted. But I know, when you realize who the true eye is, I am only a simon, a sign, a vehicle, a channel. I have no eye outside of Hashem's eye. My eye is a conduit. My eye is a reflection. My eye is a mirror. It's completely aligned with Hashem. Not in a foolish, primitive, arrogant, distorted way. But in a very true and powerful way. In a very real, in a very authentic way. That's who his eye is. Not that he's delusional, he's fooling himself, and he thinks that he's not capable of mistakes, and he's infallible because he's God. That's a form of idolatry. That's arrogance. We're talking about here, the ultimate, the ultimate avoider, where you don't obliterate yourself. On the contrary. And you have the same debate when it comes to education. You have the same exact question when it comes to education. Sometimes you have a child, you have a student, and I don't necessarily mean a child in years. could be a child in a certain area, a child in wisdom, a child in self-development. We're all children. And this child is very problematic, or I should say extremely challenging. You know, there are those children you raise, and it's a pleasure, it's easy, and then there are those children... We make you always question yourself. <laughs> Am I a horrible father? Am I a horrible mother? Am I an abusive teacher? Those children that make life <laughs> not that easy. And the same is with an adult. So what they used to call you in yeshiva? What was the word? Right? Do you remember that? Today it's illegal, I hope. I remember I once had a teacher and he looked at us one day and he said, I'm greater than the Maral of Prague. Morale of Prague had one goylem and I have 19 goylem. It was very complimentary. It's what built our self-esteem. And then he said, and I'm even greater because Morale's goylem couldn't speak and my 19 goylems speak and they don't stop speaking, but they're all goylems. He said, he lives here in Muncie and he's very, Yiddish God is very hard for him. So I asked him, why do you struggle so much? He said, because in his school, his teacher made what's called a goylem tish. A goylem tish. And he said, I was on that table always. Every day I was on that table. Okay, now, 
I'm not here to judge anybody and so on and so forth. We usually wound others where we have been wounded ourselves, so we just respond instinctively and unconsciously. But you look at the child, you're, Mr. you're a wild animal, you're a wild beast. The guy who needed a home. So you saw at Borough Park on 13th Avenue, you saw a home for rent, one floor. The landlord was living on the second floor, and the first floor was, I'm sorry, the landlord was living on the bottom floor, and the second floor was for rent. So the single man comes in, I want to rent the house, no problem. The man says, listen, there's one condition, no children. I'll tell you why. My wife and I are an elderly couple. You know, we already emptied out the nest. We go to sleep 8.30 p.m. every evening. We can't deal with commotion. We can't deal with anybody jumping on our ceilings. If you come in without children, there's unta If you come in with children, no, the man says, no problem. No, they're stuck in kinder, no children. He rents in the house, they sign the lease. The first night, this fellow goes to sleep. It's 8.30 p.m. And suddenly, hakafis, mishplink, metangs, kol doidi, mekapitz ala harim, mekapitz ala gwaz, oifir ayolim, it's like my life, mishplink, hollering, screaming, fighting. Can't sleep, it's 11 o'clock, he runs up, he sees 14 kids running around. 14 children jumping on the bed, turning over the couches. He goes over to the father, he says, Lomari mi sonny, how do you lie to me? You told me you're stuck in kinder. There's no children, 14. Looks at the guy, he says, that's a kinder, that's a chayas. They're not children, these are animals. They're not children. And the objective is bishbati chayiram in aharet. You want to get rid of the chayir? What do you do? One view is maviram in ailam. The animal is such an animal. You got to crush it. You have to destroy it. Reb Shimon you just got it or what? Okay, good, good. You know, sometimes it's not a joke. You're laughing. Other people are crying. Reb Shimon is the master of Pnimiyus HaToyre. He says, you have to look at the Pnimiyus of the child. He's not a Chayiro at his core. You don't have to burn the Chametz. Mashbisun Shalom Yaziku. You need to reorient it. You need to rechannel this child. You have to harness his or her energy. You have to appreciate their creativity. Somebody once said, we say, somebody, you know, a principal once said about a child, he says, you know, he doesn't really do anything in this class. But in Meaning, uh, if he doesn't add, at least he doesn't disrupt. You know, he sits, he sits all day, doesn't listen, doesn't understand, doesn't follow, but at least he doesn't disrupt. I told him, I think you got it wrong. If he doesn't disrupt, probably no greatness will come out of it. Because somebody who disrupts, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a fire. There's a creativity. There's a passion. He's not confined. He's not structured. I had a child who was uh, very wild. Spoke a lot. Had opinions about everything. And he was in a particular class. Not in this community. Another community. And after Pesach, I went to see the teacher. And the teacher, I felt so bad for the teacher. He looks at me and says, Rabbi Jacobson, I have good news for you. In the beginning of the year, your son was very lively. Now, Baruch Hashem, he doesn't say a word all day. He sits quiet and he doesn't say a word. And I'm looking at this teacher. I couldn't, I was so stunned, 
I didn't, I couldn't even say anything. I started to laugh from pain. And, uh, and I went home. I went home. Now, I'm not, I'm not here uh, to encourage children to be rebellious, to tell a child that it's a mitzvah mamash to be a mazik. Of course not. And some of the greatest come from people who obey and behave. But the point we're making is that sometimes the tremendous energy is a recipe for tremendous, tremendous creativity, for tremendous accomplishments. Don't stifle, don't destroy. Don't crush. If I may say, we just learned in Parshish Emmer, don't castrate. Don't destroy fertility just because it comes with... Cha- of course it comes with challenges. Of course it comes with the Yitzhahara. But the no in its core is As the Tanya puts it, the many, many Svarim put it. That's what you want to do. You want to align the no. With the source to the point that the Medrash says about Moshe, Shchinim and Abayis Metach Groyna, Venosati Metar Artsachem, I'll give rain. Moshe didn't think he'll give rain. His eye was the Shchinim and Abayis Metach Groyna. It's a channel for Hashem. If it's a channel for Hashem, so then the Chametz has a different perspective. Tashbisa has a different perspective. But I tell you, Amaisa, I heard this mamash from the person himself. Not long ago, I was at a conference. It was a two-day conference in Deal, New Jersey, by an organization, Amudim. 85 organizations from across America that deal with children at risk came together for a two-day conference. I was given the privilege to open up the second day with the keynote address to all of the activists. You had the psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, educators, rabbis, askanim, activists, etc. It was a very interesting conference. And uh, I, gave my, I, gave, I gave a drush, I spoke... I finish the speech, and I meet right there, who's sitting at the first table, and comes over to thank me, Dr. David Pelkowitz. Uh, David Pelkowitz is a professor in Yeshiva University, and has been probably in this field of therapy, I don't know, 25 or 30 years, has a lot of experience on his hands. Dr. Pelkowitz tells me, Amaisa, that he experienced in his office, in his uh, therapy room, he says there was a child from a very, a wonderful Jewish family in New York, an observant uh, a family of Bnei Torah. The children were success stories, so to speak. The children did great, the boys and the girls. And they went on to live beautiful, beautiful lives and successful lives in the field of Torah and spreading Torah and teaching Torah. One boy in the middle of the family, he was the exception. It was always that boy. And uh, he was the exception. He despised yeshiva, he hated learning, he was sent from, you know the people that at the age of nine, they've already been to nine yeshivas. One of these characters, you've been, you know, you've been everywhere. By the time you're by mitzvah, you've been around the block 319 times, you're 13 going on 92. He was one of these boys. And finally he was 15 or 16 and he had enough with the system. And he was just, he said, I'm not going back to this place, it's not for me, I'm wasting my time. His father was very, very upset. Who does he send him to? Sends him to Dr. Pelkowitz. Dr. Pelkowitz tells me, he says, he comes into my office, we start talking. I right away fall in love with him. He's a great kid. His father described him as mamrish, a chmakrish, like suhubatayri, you know. One of the, these worst situations. He's a great kid. He's fun, he's smart, he's interesting, he's kind, he's sensitive. You know, sometimes the most sensitive, if you'll, if you'll take a look a little bit, you'll see the most sensitive kids are the ones that often have the most challenges in this area because they see through 
They see through everything. They can't tolerate hypocrisy. They can't tolerate corruption. They can't tolerate lies and deception. And they're also made for greatness. When you're made for greatness, you are stifled by mediocrity. Remember that. And uh, you understood? So what happens is, he tells me, I fall in love with this boy. I love this kid. And we start meeting each other and seeing each other. And he says, I have a feeling that we have to bring in the whole family. And I ask the father, the mother, I say, can you bring in the whole family for therapy? One session. And if there's grandparents alive, I want them to come to me. See, Dr. Telkowitz, who ever heard bringing a say then above it, the therapy? Before the Mulchamah, there was no such a thing as therapy. They never heard of it. He said, I had an inkling that they all have to be there. And he brought them in. He tells me the boy comes in, his father, his mother, all of his siblings. All of his siblings. And there was a Zayda and a Baba, the father's father, who were survivors from that generation. And, uh, and, uh, and we're sitting there. I turn to the father, and I say, no, let's hear. And the father, he says, I'll be very honest, you know, I look at my children, they're such gewaldic children. Look at this one. He's a Rosh Hashiva, he's a Magad he finished Daf Yomi seven times. Well, he didn't say seven times, but you get the point. He finished Daf Yomi. He gives a Shi in Daf Yomi. He gives a Shi in Mishnah Bruder. He's opening a Koyal. He's going to be in Koyal his whole life. He already is Machabas Svarim. He's almost a Baki in Shas. And look, look at my daughters. Ah, Mamish princesses. And this one is a Gavaldika Askin. And this one is the founder of this. And this one is the founder. And this one runs Hatzalan. This one runs Dizkmilis Chesed. And this one runs this Askan. This one is in charge of, oh, whatever it is. And here I have a boy wasting his time, not interested in anything, doesn't learn. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for him. It's heartbreaking for us. And the father is discussing his heartache and lack of nachas from this child. Runs around, always runs around, doesn't listen. The grandfather turns to his son and says, let me speak. Stands up. And he turns to his son, the father, and he says, Have you learned nothing from that which I told you when you were a youngster? Did you forget? Are you so clueless? Did you not understand? And he turns to the family and he says, Let me, let me tell you a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about my life. I grew up in Poland. All of my siblings were very successful. In the sense, they were all steiging away in yeshiva in Poland. I was the disaster of the family. I was the black sheep of the family. I would go from here to here. I was always involved in something else. I had no zitz flesh. I couldn't sit in one place. And I started to see what's going on. I got a hold of a book. The book was titled Mein Kampf. It was the book authored by Adolf Hitler, the Mahshemite in which he articulated his plans for the Jewish people. Of course, nobody believed him. 
When it comes to power, he won't do it. Like they say today about Iran. They speak. I read it. I read other things. I saw the situation. I turned to my father. I said, Tata, Father, we have to get out of Poland. Poland is near Germany. It's the border of Germany. We have to run away. My father looked at me and he said, here you go again. If you would be sitting and learning, if you would be doing what you have to do, you wouldn't speak this way. But the battles that side, you're wasting your time, you're worried about things you shouldn't be worried about. Change your life, sit down and learn, we're not going anywhere. I didn't listen to my father. I knew I was right. I left, I ran away, I came to the United States. I'm the only survivor of my family. Not one survived. Not my parents, not my siblings, not their children. He turned to his family and he said, You're all here today because of who I was. Because of my nature, because of my character. And then he pointed to the grandson and he said, And you are just like me. You are me. You have my soul. You have my mind. He looked at his son and he said, Don't denigrate this child. Every child has his or her unique soul and journey. Celebrate every child for who they are. Maximize their potentials. Challenge them to the fullest. But don't denigrate this child. Because you're here today only because of such a child who ran away. Dr. Pelkowitz tells me, he said, Reverend Jacobson, I was sitting there, tears streaming down my eyes. I was stunned. I say, how long ago did this happen? Around 20 years ago. I say, what's the follow-up to the story? He looks at me. He says, the grandfather was a very wealthy Jew. He built a beautiful company. Today, that grandson runs the whole company and all of his brothers work for him. He runs the whole Maracha and they all work for him. Now of course, heaven forbid, this is not saying that that child who's destined to live a life completely dedicated to learning, shouldn't be cultivated in the most maximum and blessed way. But it does mean what Rav Shimon is telling you, chas v'shalom, to take the chayira, look at the chayira and say, you need to be eliminated, turned into ashes. I want a new Metzius. He says, no. Mashbisen shalayaziku. Channel it. Harness it. Reorient it. But transform it. Don't, don't obliterate it. Don't destroy it. And that's why, that's why, what does Rashbi say? I saw men of greatness and they're very few. If there's one, who is it? If it's two, me and my son, 
And he says, I can exempt the whole world from judgment. A person speaks like this about himself. What do you mean, How? So they say that once the Belzerov was coming back from Iran, you'll verify this. Yeah? The Belzerov was coming back from Iran, and somebody asked them, Why was Rashbi Zoycha his Yoymai Lula? What do they have today? 600,000 Yidin? There's no place that so many Jews gather together physically in Zmanagolos like Rashbi Melagboimer. It's, it's fascinating. The greatest concentration of Jews, Ken Yerbu, is by Miran Melagboimer. Why was Rashbi Zoycha? So he said, Rashbi had Gizak Dover Sha'id Meskavan Potter. If there's no Kavon in Potter, not only Potter, Mutter, Dover Sha'id Meskavan Mutter. And he says, he says, which Jew in his core has a real kavana for Anaveir? It's a distraction, it's a ruach shtuz. So Yochel, so I think, Yochel ani lifter is kolayim kulim in hadin. Which din? From the din of Dover Shaina Meskavit Mutter. I can exempt the whole world. So he says, Rashbi was zeicha, that all Jews come to him. Who comes? Everybody comes. Religious and secular, Svaidim and Ashkenazim, Chsidim and, and Misnagdim, so-called, everyone comes there. Which brings us now to the final argument of if Tashbisu is two paths of how to deal with ego, and it's two paths of how to deal with the edu- education. It's also two perspectives on the world. How do you look at the world? The world is a place that's filled with Chai Yisroyes. Practically and conceptually. In Eitzchayim there's an expression, It's a place filled with negativity, filled with evil. How do you look at this world? Rabbi Yehuda says, Escape as fast as possible. And even if you can't escape, you're supposed to live. But conceptually escape. Don't engage the world. Don't deal with people. Your ultimate objective is to get to paradise, to get to heaven. You gotta go through the world, go through the world. But this is not the place you wanna be. This is not the place you wanna hang out in. This is not the arena where you could find goodness. This is a place of Ra. has a different perspective. Where do I see it? A clear open medrash. Zok the Helika medrash. A two, two. First Azoya. Zoya Khelakal of Dafnun Gimel. Unbelievable shtikl Zoya. Vayigoresh es ha'odom. I'm going to take a chumash. I want to read the post. We have the source sheets. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Zoya. Zoya you probably don't know. It's a very interesting Zoya. Odom and Chava eat from the tree of knowledge. What happens right after that? What happens right after that? Hashem says, I can't have Adam and Chavah here, they're going to eat from the tree of life. Perek, Gimel, Pasuk, Chavdalot, Bereshis, Vayigoresh es Adam. He expels Adam. Who's he? L'chaoyer, the expels Adam from Gan Eden. Says the Zoyar, Vayigoresh es Adam. Omar Abelazar, the son of Rav Shemim Vayichoy. Omar Abelazar. Lo Yitayin, I don't know. Man of it, Tirukin Laman. Who expelled whom? Tirukin in Aramaic is Gerish in divorce. Who expelled whom? 
It says, Vayigorish Esa'odam. What's Pshat? Ikut Shebrichu Avatiruchim Le'odam. Did Hashem expel man? Eloi, maybe not. Maybe not. Vayigorish Esa'odam, does it mean Hashem expelled man? Or does it mean man expelled Hashem from Ganeid? Avol milis but the word can be turned over. Vayigorish es es daike, uman gorish es haadam haadam vadaigorish es. It should have said vayigorish haadam. Vayigorish es haadam means he expelled es. Who expelled es? Haadam. The adam expelled es. Or begin doxiv, that's why it says, by Yashalcheyu, Hashem alakim again Eden. Amai by Yashalcheyu, begin the Gorash Adam Esk the Kamar. Why did Hashem send them away? Because the man expelled S is Aleph Tov. We say in Davening from the Chemia, Va'ato, Mechaya Eskulam. You give life to all. So it says in Kabbalah, Va'ato is Aleph through Tov, the letters from Aleph through Tov, which are the letters, Basarim Amoris Nivra Oilam, with which the world was created. And the Heya, the Hei Matsoya Saper, the five roots of which different letters come out. Different letters from the teeth, from the lips, etc. They're called Hei Matsoya Saper. So the Zoya teaches Vayigoresh Es Adam. The Adam expelled Es. It expelled the divine energy from Ganeiden. What is Rebbe telling us? What does this mean? What this means is, who was expelled from Ganeiden? Was it Hashem who threw out Adam of Ganeiden? Or was it Adam who threw Hashem out of Ganeiden? The results seem the same. What's the difference? If you're Ganeiden without Hashem, what type of Ganeiden is it? But it's a fundamental perspective. From one perspective, it's God threw Adam out of Ganeiden. So where is man? Man is in the opposite of Ganeiden. Man is in a very different place. What Rebbe Lazar is saying, the view of the Zoyar... Is, no, you were never thrown out of Ganeiden. You just threw God out of Ganeiden. And if you could really bring God back into your life, you will see that you're in Ganeiden. If you could bring Hashem into your life fully, you will see that you never left Ganeiden. He never threw you out. You threw Him out. You think you were thrown out because you threw Him out. And if you can reclaim him, you'll see you weren't thrown out. Zok the Medrash Rabban Parshas Nosoi, Vayi Bayoyim Klois Moshe Lohakim Esam Mishkan. The day that Moshe finished building the Mishkan, Rav Omar Rav says, Dovor Shaloi Hoyim Mishen Nivroi Lamadach Shav Nasev Oisei Hayoyim. Something that didn't happen since creation happened that day, Rish Chodesh Nisan, when the Mishkan was built. Because from the day the world was created till that day that Moshe erected the Mishkan, the divine presence did not dwell in the lower world. Only when the Mishkan was built. That's why it says, when it happened on that day, it was a new happening, a new occurrence. It never happened before. The Shekhinah should come into this world. Who turns to him? Doesn't turn to him, but who responds? Actually, he didn't respond. He lived before. Reb Shimon Ba'yechoi Omar. Reb Shimon Ba'yechoi says, you got the Pasuk wrong. Davor Shahaya. Something that was. Upasak. It seized. 
and then it just came back to the way it was. Because the fact is, in the beginning of the creation of the world, the Shechina was dwelling in this world. They heard the voice of God in the garden. It just departed. It departed from the person's perspective as a result of Adam's uh, perversion of himself and of life until the Mishkan was erected. Not like Rav who says Vayihi is a Dvar Chidosh, it never was. But the reason it says Vayihi is, it came to be because it came back to be. It used to be. But for a while, it wasn't visible anymore. It seemed like it was gone, but it wasn't gone. Now, we, it was reverted back to its original innate nature. That's why Yehi, the Shekhinah was always here. Rav says the Shekhinah was never here. The Mishkan created something new. Rashbi said the Mishkan didn't create something new. The Mishkan revealed what the essence of Tachtoinim always was. Rav disagrees. What's the Machloikas? I saw this Medrash. And I had a light bulb went off in my brain because I remembered a Gemara in Shabbos Davchav Beis Amidam. Take a look at the Gemara in Shabbos. Itmar we learned. Rav Omar Rav says, Ein halacha kinepshimin When you slap a bench on Shabbos across a field, the halacha is not like Ripshimin. You're not allowed to do it. You know why? It may create a groove. I don't care if there may be a groove. I don't care if there's no kavona. It's not tish boys. There's no Shabbos. Shmuel Omar Shmuel argues. Halacha k'reb shimin b'greira. Halacha is like k'reb shimin. Omar Abaya Abaya says, Kol mili demar ovit k'rav. The master, Rabbi, always followed Rav. Labar mehani tlas ta'avdik Shmuel. Besides three halachos, which the Gemara enumerates that he followed Shmuel, including this, the halacha is like Reb Shimon. Rav is the Shitase, perhaps. Dabar Shaynim is also, because Tishboyz means, even if there's no Kavana, but the Gufa Malacha is there. It's not Tishboyz, you didn't rest. So Vishbati Chayiram in Aretz means, not much be such a loyaziku. That's not tishboys. You need to get rid of the chayira. Because at its core, it's a chayira. Chametz ain't be a chametz. The Behuda's shitta, not like Rav Shimon. Tishboys. The core of chametz is forbidden. The core of the yesh. The core of the ego. The core of the beast. The core of the Yetzirah. The core of the world is Tumah. The Mishkan created something new, something superimposed on the world. The words Nasa Adam were said about you, who revealed what's the truth of the human being, what's the essence of the Jew, and what's the essence of the world. The place that Iker Shechina B'Tachtoinim Hoysa. The essential garden, the garden of Hashem, which may have a lot of weeds, and they have a lot of thorns, and you have to work out through your whole life to remove the weeds and remove the thorns, but ultimately to reveal the beautiful 
pleasant, sacred, and wholesome garden, which is the core of the world. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful Next week we're on the Ezer Hashem. Same idea. Medrash Tanchoma Parshas Nasai. Parshas Nasai. Miss Ava Hakadosh Baruch Hu leaves like dear bit of time. Tanchoma Nasai Parshat Hazayim. Hashem desired to have a dear bit of time. And also Medrash Nabashir Hashirim on the Pasuk Pasuk Adani Achisikam. Where, where this, where this Medrash is? Iker Shchina B'Tachtayna Musa. Iker Shchina B'Tachtayna Musa. Shita Vrashbi. Pnimiyus Atayna. Teres Hanistir, Megala. The Pnimiyus of the world. The Pnimiyus of the Nishan. Barachai Rav. Oy, 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 oy